Welcome, everybody, to episode 61 of the award-winning, self-awarded CarCast. I'm Owen Newkirk, alongside Sean Shapiro, who, yet again, is finding new ways to threaten our safety and our lives, and yet I, I should not be baffled at this point. Sounds like hyperbole right now. No. I could go into it more, but I will save that for weapons for later if needed. At the moment, we'll turn our attention to a Stars 4 to nothing win over the Colorado Avalanche tonight at the AAC in one of the more complete performances of the season. I would argue that it was not the Stars' best game of the year as a complete performance, but clearly in the top five or so. Definitely top five, yeah. Top for five sure. for sure. It's not number one, and that's the only stance I'm taking. I still think that game against Winnipeg in October was their most complete because they just absolutely one-sided beat down a very good team yeah that's that's the one that i was thinking of the other one that comes to mind and i guess the other issue with that one is complete i think of that ducks game back earlier in the season where they were down they were down that's the, pro- that's, that's, that's yeah. the problem with so that it's one. not a complete it's game. not a complete game it's but, a great comeback win yeah. to me the other one might be uh the st louis blues game last saturday mm-hmm. that road game was as good as yeah. it gets for them as yes, far as a road game was so that would be my maybe this would be the third or fourth, I reserve yeah, the right I, I, to I, I forget think, well, one. We definitely agree, top five. Yeah, yeah it's got to be top five. All right, here we go. As we don't don't hit the work convoy here on I-35 near Inwood Road. So if you're listening to this, it's going to be later. The convoy's probably not still there. But if you are uh, driving by, you know, 40 minutes from now when we post it, yeah, watch out. Yeah, watch out. Public service announcement. We're here yeah. for the people. Yeah. Game tonight started with a lot of storylines, Sean. Of course, the two biggest well three big ones playoff position against a, a division opponent that had a three-point deficit with the stars in the standings when you it's a four-pointer yes. when and you make a five-point gap losing it's one and you're really feeling the the team's breathing down your neck we were i think you and i we have an interesting perspective on this right now because we were actually we spent some time in the Colorado locker room this morning. We were talking of to, to uh, Patrick our good Nemeth, buddy, to our Patrick good, Nemeth. to our good friend Patrick Nemeth, and we were talking to him. And well, I've known for now seven years since yes. his, mm-hmm. his first year with the Texas Stars, which was my first year with the Texas Stars. Yep. So we've known Nemeth for a long time, and we were talking this morning about how how big of a difference one how big of a difference five points is compared to even three points. Yep. Just just as far as. Five points. Even, perception. Yes, perception. As far as yes, five points is you can make that up in three games. However, it's you need to be perfect. You get that feeling where you're down by five points, and with this the number of games dwindling, you feel like you need to be perfect, and you need that other team to really struggle. And that's a combination that's hard to come by at this time of year. So five five points is big, actually. It's, it it's really big. It is, especially with three point games now where. We were talking about that with Nemeth as well, is how many games at this time of the year are ending up going to overtime or shootouts. Part of it is because when it's tied in the third and both teams need points, everybody goes into lockdown mode. Yeah, you make that To be, okay, let's not risk losing the game, let's just get to overtime, and then we'll fight for the bonus point. All the more reason, Sean, why I really like the idea that the if we can't get to a three-point regulation win, which I don't think is going to happen yeah. for several reasons, but I like the proposal of making the first tiebreaker instead of ROW, regulation plus overtime wins, just RW, just RW meaning that 
if you're tied at the end of the year in points, the tiebreaker is to the team that wins more games in regulation. I don't know if it would change a lot of how teams play their third periods in close games because I still think points matter too much. Mm-hmm. But I like rewarding teams that win their games in 60 minutes, not in 63 or 65. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also, I also wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to the game becoming a one only one point available if it goes to... I like that, too. Get rid of the what they call the loser point. Yeah, just go to... I wouldn't mind that it's a, at all. If it goes to overtime, there's only one point available in the standings. Or a shootout. And yeah. look, losing in a shootout and getting nothing is would be awful. That's the one part about getting rid of a point is... A shootout is not a team desire. It's, yeah. That's why we don't like them. It's great that the numbers are dwindling because of three-on-three overtime. But there's nothing worse from a team perspective than losing in a shootout because you essentially played the other team to a draw. Yeah. And then you lose the skills competition, and if you have nothing, that would be ex- exceptionally harsh. But I'm still for it. Yes. All right. Uh, the other two storylines that really stood out, besides the fact there's just a big playoff matchup, was no Roddick Fox in the lineup, missed because of the hit that he suffered and a neck injury on from Mika Zabinajad uh, Rangers game on Tuesday. Two part, two points to that. First, the NHL actually rescinded the game misconduct from his record. Yes. Doesn't help in the game, and yeah. Rangers people were kind of understandably miffed that you, it, it posthumously doesn't really help in the game. Mm-hmm. But it takes away that, and I, I agree with the decision, and I think that maybe there needs to be some common sense about the rule change, and I don't know about this origin of when they changed it. I'll have to do some research on it. It was interesting. It's an interesting of, of the automatic game is coming. It was an interesting play because we talk so much now about how we call to the injury as opposed to calling to the action itself. Sure. So think about tonight where the play where Jamie Benn hits Nathan McKinnon in the corner. Yes. If Nathan McKinnon crumples and doesn't get up, very, Jamie Benn very well may have gotten a, like five in a game. Or just, even just a two or a yeah, four no, but, for but, a roughing, But, but right? because of how we have officials call to injury, if McKinnon gets hurt in that situation, Jamie Benn very possibly could be looking at five in a game. I'm not saying it's right, but, Se- that's, but several that's, years ago there was a hit when the Stars were playing the Blues in a I regular know. season game, and Joel Edmondson came out of the penalty box I know exactly and where you're crushed going Johnny Oduya yes, blindside yeah. to the head, and Oduya it was a Dirty, dirty hit from my. It was wasn't eligible to be hit. It was a hit to the head. Odoya went flying, but he got right back up, mm-hmm. and he got nothing for. It. I think he maybe got a two minute fine. I thought it was a suspendable hit, and we heard nothing from him. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same point that you're making is that if he lays crumpled on the ice and doesn't get up and gets carted off, he's probably getting suspended for that. And I it shouldn't matter. The, it it shouldn't matter. Should no, be. No dealt with as it is, and if anything, the injury should only tack on additional. It shouldn't make it any less of a, of yeah. a penalized hit. Yes. But I digress. No Fox, and to yeah. me, the bigger point about that was simply the Stars faced the, one of the top offensive scoring lines in the NHL mm-hmm. without their top shutdown center yeah. with a home advantage matchup. Correct. So, Jim Montgomery, when asked about that this morning, said, nope, not an issue. We have Jason Dickinson. We're very lucky to have two uh, shutdown defensive centers. They play differently, but they both are effective. 
but this was asking a lot from young Jason Dickinson. Yeah. And I thought he stepped up brilliantly to, into yeah. this role. Yeah, and, and, and I know uh, there's quite a bit of talk of we have two good defensive centers, Jason Dickinson and Roddick Foxa, but Dickinson to me still, it's that potential. He's not, he hasn't had, he hasn't seized that role the way Foxa has. That's something And that maybe I, part of it is because Foxa yes, has yes, always part, played I think that part too. of it is there, that, um, and Alistair Dickinson's been kind of shuffled around a little bit more, but there's been times that he's played a little bit more wing and everything like that. Fox has always been, it's clearly been Fox. Uh, yeah, he's on yeah, the, yeah. the, he's, he's playing behind Tyler Sagan in the center depth chart as far as exactly. Playing. Yes. So, um, and Dickinson, Dickinson, Dickinson had a tremendous game tonight. He was very good in the defensive role. He did. He had created a, a big goal. He created a big goal. He had a really interesting comment. Something that he said to me, Oh, what do we got here? Uh, we have a truck being towed that you're going to the wrong lane for. You're gonna get stuck behind it, and miss the the merge. Or the, I, I am. This like, is you're good not, now. This is not the play-by-play I want. You're doing it. No, you're. Oh, oh, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. How about right this? Thing. Sean's driven this route a lot, and he still gets lost. No, I just. Oh, don't say it no. Was a, it was a backwards-facing truck. There was a car cast <laughs> where we ended up going the wrong way past. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And didn't. realized about ten minutes later when the buildings didn't match up right that but we. You were, know what? Past our exit. I stood up and took and I took credit for my mistakes. Accountability yes, is important, yes. and that's the other theme of tonight. Nice segue, John. Yes. Besides the Foxa being out, the Stars got Alexander Radulov back in the mm-hmm. line. They also got Andrew Caldiano, which was great. Yes. But Radulov played center stage tonight, or mm-hmm. took center stage, because of his rules violation missing or being late. I don't know if he missed it. He was definitely late for it. He was uh, he was late to the meeting. On Tuesday, on the Tuesday morning meeting for the yes. team before so he, uh, the Rangers game. He made, I, we have learned he made part of the meeting, but he was late, late enough to the fact where he was late and missed some significant parts yes. of it. Yes. Okay. So he didn't play Tuesday because of that. He played tonight and he... Recorded his first career NHL hat trick. Hard to believe a guy as talented and as aggressive as Radulov is, and not shy to shoot the puck, mm-hmm. that he had had nine two-goal games in his career before tonight. This was his tenth without scoring a hat trick, and he did. It's, and he just it, it, it is, was it, it was a wonderful bounce back game for him. Also interesting, just food for thought on that. You think about the way he... And I don't know. I didn't go look through his other nine two-goal games. I don't know how they were played out, but... Sounds like a film room for me. But, uh, <laughs> a, but a lengthy film Interesting, room. just food for thought. I think about it. He scores the third one into the empty net. Um, Radulov hasn't always been a guy who would be trusted to be on the ice late when a team's trying to protect that, the lead. That's fair. That just, I mean, just thinking as far as opportunities to get that hat trick the way Jamie... You Vendor think it's easier because it was... Three nothing yes. with four but, minutes to go. And, that Col- he's out there. and Colorado went with the aggressive pull. Right. I mean, so, they they yeah, did yeah. the right move. Yes, Col- Colorado. You have nothing to lose there. You do. Right. Yeah. So, um, but but nonetheless, this, great move by Radulov to toe drag around yes. the defenseman, and he was free before the red line, and the the American Airlines Center crowd went nuts. Mm-hmm. There was the, the loudest. I mean, they were, they were they got loud with some hits in the second period, one shift where it was pretty physical, but. When Radulov burst free and had a clear lane at the empty net, it was the loudest we heard the building all night. Yeah. And so the Radulov story goes back to Tuesday, and we covered a lot of it on Tuesday, but it picked up more legs than it should have because of the way Radulov handled the post, the kind of the the middle part of this. Basically by not yeah. addressing it with the media. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I want to kind of state about it, what he says to the media and... 
reconciling with either with with a media member like myself or Matt DeFranks from the Morning News or anything like that, it's that's not the important part. The important part from my perspective, and you look at it from a team, is take this one-day event. It was a mistake. Keep it to a one-day event. Own it and own, don't, don't own, drag it out. Own it and just move it on. It's right. our job. It's our job in the media to cover the story when when you're not going to dress and you're not going to stand up about it and then when – you're after practice on Wednesday and you decide to make yourself unavailable. And then the way he made himself unavailable this morning just made it worse where Alexander, we're in the locker room. Radulov walks into the locker room, is in there for maybe two seconds, puts down his helmet and gloves and turns around and walks out and goes to, um, and goes to change in the changing room. So for people, by the way, the change room is so, where so, the yeah, players so, well, change let, out of their. To set, set the scene clothing. real quick for this, players take their equipment off in the locker room. They put their equipment on and off in the locker room, but they don't change out of their yes. undergear. Yes. The you know the uh, dry the under armor shirts, yeah, yeah. the compression shorts or gym shorts and flip flops and stuff. So, they they change away from the media, which. Frankly, we don't need to see them but, but that's not strip the, down to their the, skivvies. No, fine. no, no. That, and, and, but the thing is, a player going to remove his hockey equipment in that room is, I don't think we Extremely unorthodox. I don't think we've... I, in my time on the Stars beat, I've never seen anyone do that. I can't think of a situation. I will say that it is extremely rare to never happen. Somewhere yeah. in that range. Yes, so, so he, he, he he clearly went out of his way to be away from where the media was. No, it's good that he finally answered stuff and just got it over with. It. Yes, and so it's the thing where it's the type of thing where he didn't. It's it's not it's not it wasn't. It became even less about what he had to say, what what, what he what the, the con, what the content of what he said of just being a person to stand up to talk about it. Right, or even not talk about it. What yeah. if he addressed it by saying, "I don't want to talk about it." And that's fine, but even... That would have been at least some... That would have at least been something, but I, I even go back to this. When Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan get ripped in public by the CEO of the team, we don't see them hiding behind. I don't think they had the option to not... I mean, obviously they could have, but I don't think that... I think that would have exacerbated the problem. Don't yes. you think? If they had avoided... Just like Radulov exacerbated right. the problem for a couple of days by doing this, and then he fixed it all by scoring three goals and... He's not becoming the third 20-goal scorer for the Stars this yes. year. Mm-hmm. All right. The other storyline not lost on the night, but we haven't talked about it yet, is Ben Bishop becoming a literal brick wall, mm-hmm. second consecutive shutout, fifth of the year. By the way, all have come at home, and I think that's more of a testament to the way the Stars play has been this year, not Ben Bishop's. The fact that he hasn't had a clean sheet on the road says more about the Stars' inability to be consistently effective in road games than it does Bishop's been better at home or home. His numbers are better at home. It's more of a team indictment than anything else. But aside from that, and Sean, really, I asked him tonight well, on our postgame show because I looked at all 29 of his shutouts, and I said to Ben, I said, I don't think – I said, is this the first time – I asked him because I said, I want to confirm this. It doesn't look like this from the stats that you've ever had – shutouts in consecutive starts before. Uh-huh. Is that true? Yes. And he said, even in my minor league career, because he started in the AHL yep. for a while before he got up to the NHL, he goes, I don't think I ever had back-to-back shutouts in consecutive starts. And that is remarkable because 
that's not easy to do. He's now over 144 minutes of shutout streak going back to last Saturday's game at San or at St. Louis. Did you did you dig deeper to ask about how, if there's any streak like in junior or anything like that where you No, we were sticking with pro. Oh, I was just curious. Just no, because, I mean, because I, I, I know you don't have all the time in the world. I also, here, so. I also have to trade off questions with my co-hosts. So, uh, you know, sometimes the line of questioning goes somewhere else, and then I'll have to return to it if I want to follow up. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but no, we also asked him about the hit that he laid on Landeskog, who seemed the worst for wear. He immediately said, "I, I didn't. I was trying to to impede him. I wasn't trying to hit him. I hope he's okay." He was very apologetic about that, you know, but I wasn't trying to hurt him or anything. And then I asked him about how angry he was after his shutout against the Rangers, and he confirmed, Sean, what we talked about uh, this morning, you and I did, yeah. which was the cross-check by Ryan Strom into, uh, of Dickinson into him had a lot to do, almost maybe as much or if not more to do with his concern about being injured by his own teammate by the opponent a la last year yeah as it was his concern about it being a dirty play he he emphasized both but i said you know you had some you know bad experiences with this before did that he goes oh yes that has something to do with it yeah there you have it ben bishop uh fifth shot out of the year and it's really sixth if you think about it it should be six because of the the brief concussion protocol yeah are you ready for lightning round? I am. Lots to talk about. Let's do it. Daniel writes in, went to the Stars game in Las Vegas, bought a mini stick before the start of the third. Since the Stars have gone 4-0, outscoring opponents 11-1 with two hat-tricks and, back, and a back-to-back shutout, or and back-to-back shutouts by Bish. That's definitely because of the stick, right? Hashtag holy stick. I, well, if you brought it before the third period in Vegas, that was a really bad period. No, bought it before the start of the third in Los Angeles. Oh, Los, Los, Ange- Ange- Los Angeles. Los okay. Angeles. Okay. Uh, oh, after the Vegas. Okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Um, the Stars won the game with a big, you know, it wasn't great. They got the done in the third period. And I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what, if you want to believe in superstitions and good omens, that's a, a strong, uh, it's part of a shrine now, right? He bought a mini. He bought a mini stick in L.A. So is it a mini stick that he buy a Stars mini he, stick in L.A.? I don't think you can buy a Stars. Okay, mini I stick mean the LA. problem is now I need to. Now I need. I need. I need. I need answers. You tagged you, Sean. If you'd like to respond to Dan, Daniel or Daniel, if you're listening, you can tag, uh, send Sean a message or tweet, tweet him back and say more about the stick. Stefan writes in, not really a question, but I find it quite fascinating how Taylor Fadoon has always managed to secure himself a spot in the lineup this season with his excellent play on the third pairing. Now Alexiak sits because Fadoon Lovejoy actually looks like the best third pairing all year. So, like I said, yes. we always say questions, Stefan, questions or comments. You don't have to have a question. It can be a comment. This is an excellent comment because it's absolutely it's right. True. It's absolutely true. Uh, Foxy Foxa. Great Twitter handle, or well name. It's not the handle. The, the Twitter handle is StarsFansRXNS. I don't usually like to read the handles. Anyway, has Esselindel been the under the radar? Has been under the radar our best defenseman this year? I don't think he's been that under the radar. Yeah, I don't think he's been under the I radar. I think he has been the Stars' best defenseman, and that's no slight on John Klingberg, but his injury has set him back a bit. Lindell has been a huge presence in this lineup. Yeah, I mean it's if it's between 
looking at consistency for the best defenseman all season, it's Miro and Essa 1A and 1B, when you can make the argument for either way if you want. But, um, yeah, I, he's, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's... I think he's actually properly rated, and I think it's something that other people, I've talked to other people around, I think people around the league are starting to notice more of what Essa does, too. Yes, he's so. not, uh, he's not the hidden yeah. defenseman so much from the league perspective. Aaron writes in, what is y'all's impression? She actually wrote y'all, she's from Aaron from Defending Big D, mm-hmm. uh, of why this team is so different on at home versus on the road. Uh, there's two things for me on it. Um, one is there's a consistency and a comfort level that this team has at home that they've yet to really completely bottle up consistently on the road. And I'm not using the word consistency to define consistency, which yes. is kind of faulty, and I realize that. But I think there's just something there that they haven't been able to put together. And the other thing has also been there's also been – a bit of a learning curve too for this coaching staff at the same time. Not, not to the effect where it's, I think Jim Montgomery took a little while to learn. How am I able to get the matchups I want? How am I able to get something going on the road when I don't get the last change? Like tonight we talk a lot about, he was able to get the Dickinson line out against the McKinnon line all the time. And McKinnon had one quality chance the whole night. That yeah. is really shutting him down. Sean, you're right. You're, what you're saying is not wrong. They're, they're actually yeah, quite yeah. right. But it's more simple than that. The Stars haven't had a consistent second line all year. Yeah. So when they go on the road, they don't have the matchups they want, and their top line faces the top, toughest defensive pairing matchup, defense and fo- checking forwards all year. McKinnon line against the Sagan line, they won that two times in Denver, Yeah. just for an example. Mm-hmm. That's why the Stars haven't been as good on the road. Their goaltending has been fine all year. Their team defense, for the most part, is good. They haven't had necessarily the same mentality, as Jim Montgomery said. Uh, he didn't like the road attitude or, or um, passion or intensity, perhaps, that they feed off the home crowd. But I think tactically it has a lot to do with not having a balanced top six or having two lines behind, and then the Fox line, and because they have their third and fourth lines have not been the issue. It's been line two behind the Sagan Ben and Radulov line. They mix it up a bit. When you get Zuccarello back, if you have Zuccarello, Sagan, and Radulov, Jamie Ben, maybe keep Como there, or put Hints and Lesperance or something like that, or put Zuccarello on there, keep hints with the other line. Now you've got a one-two punch that's harder to match up on the road or when the, you know, the, the team you're playing against can't just put all their eggs in one basket. It's why Sidney Crosby and uh, Evgeny Malkin don't play together a lot five-on-five. Five. It's why Taves and Kane are split a lot. It's because it's harder to match up. That, to me, is the most simplistic part of it. Yeah. Um, if they balance out their top six and still maybe add another piece, uh, they could be really a, a harder, a much better road team because of that. Um, Court writes in something that makes me laugh. So, Fox a hattie when he comes back then. Obviously suggesting that Jamie Benn comes back from injury, gets a hat trick. Radulov comes back from a healthy scratch. Because the, the, the one downside of that, Sean, is that Cogliano came back from injury tonight. Did yeah, not zero, have a hat zero points. Uh, I'm not trying to bag on Cogliano. He's, he did fine for his role. But then she also wrote in also, and this is the part that made me laugh, Owen is right about the pronunciation of GIF. <laughs> Moving on. Pearson writes in, any chance Bishop could sneak into the Vezina picture? 
think he's in the Besna picture already. This is the argument I've been making for a bit, and I was on a hey, shameless plug on NHL Network this afternoon, and I said as much. I believe he he deserves consideration for at the least Vezina finalist. Who are the guys that stand out to you in the league besides Ben Bishop as far as Vezina candidates? Um, I mean, he should. I think he should be one of the three guys there. Like you talk about, I can think of three others that that absolutely deserve the conversation, and they're probably missing a couple. The two guys in New York. The, the Islanders guys. Yeah. Thomas Grice and Robin Leonard both have incredible numbers. They've pretty much well, Le- Leonard to me is the first one. Right. I, yeah. I think they're both. I'm just saying in the conversation. Yeah. The other one is Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. The, the only knock on him, and he's been great, and he has great numbers, is he's playing behind the best team in the NHL. Yes. Which is like saying, why doesn't the best team get the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year? Why? Because it's usually for the coach that gets the best turnaround from last year. Jared Bednar would have won it last year because of the from worst to playoff spot had it not been for the Gerard Gallant expansion story in the Golden Knights. Also, don't be surprised. I mean, I don't think I'm not voting for. I mean, I don't have a vote in this one. But that's right. um, I think Cooper has a chance. What? Cooper, John Cooper, for this year. Yeah, yeah, but for 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 back to Vezina. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Andre Fleury ends up getting some votes too. There's a ton of wins. Just as far as, because what is what is the, what is the bottom, the end of the day, you're supposed to win hockey games. and Who has the most wins and games played. Yeah, and just, I, I think. Well, in that case, then, Freddie Anderson deserves a conversation yeah. up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have nearly the numbers that Bishop has or some of the other guys we've no, and it, it's but just, he does have a lot yeah, of wins. It's interesting because I just don't know how to read GMs on this. The, the overall point here is Bishop absolutely deserves to be in the Vezina conversation at yes. the least. Ardell writes in, Shapiro has a flat-speaking accent. Where does he hail from? <laughs> has hockey always been his favorite sport? I feel like I'm asking you this in the third person, by the way. When did you become co- covering hockey uh, as a professional? I don't know if that's now to me or to you. Last question for both of you. Who is your childhood favorite NHL player? Oh, man. Ardell firing up. All right. Firing. Sean, where do you hail from? I know the answer to this, but go ahead. Real quick, flat accent. Does that just mean I have no accent? What does flat accent mean? I think so, and I disagree. I think you definitely have an accent. So I have – I am from New Jersey originally, actually, and – which in, there is some Jersey in yes, there. Yes, I lived in New Jersey till I was 14. But and there's also some... There's some Midwest in there, too. Michigan. Not just Midwest. Yeah. Michigan. Michigan. There's some Mitten in there. From when I was... Uh, I lived in Michigan from 14 to when I went to college. So. Formative years. Yes. So. And then you went to Bowling Green, which is also in the Midwest. Yes. So, and then moved to Texas when I was 20. I don't really hear a lot of Texas. No, I don't have any... No, and uh, I have, uh, what was the second, how long have I been a hockey? Has hockey always been your favorite sport? Um, it's since I was seven or eight. I mean, I think it was one of those things where I didn't grow up in a hockey house. I grew up in a, in a big soccer house, and soccer is still yeah. um big part of my life. But uh, until I really became a uh, New Jersey Devil, and I guess this will answer question number three. Favorite player, childhood yeah. player. Yeah, I be- as a child, I was a big New Jersey Devils fan and uh, became a goalie because of uh, Brodor. So I'll answer these quickly because he asked for both of us. Um, 
quickly, hockey may still not be my favorite sport, and I'm not saying that disparaging anyway. I love it, mm-hmm. and I've worked in it for 16 years now, going on 17. But I've changed my favorite sport over the years. When I was a little kid, it was baseball. Huge Red Sox fan as a you know in the single digits, and I actually told my dad at one point when I was probably in little league that I wanted to be a pitcher for the Red Sox, and I was going to live in Boston. And I would drive him around in my Lamborghini. And you ready for this, Sean? I would live in an apartment and have wall-to-wall carpeting and cable TV. And my dad doesn't forget to remind that. Because my parents had hardwood floors and we had rabbit ears. We didn't have – we were off the main cable line. So we, we had four channels going up. So as a little leaguer, apparently those were my profile. Lamborghini, wall-to-wall carpeting, and cable. You know, great. So, But I was a big baseball uh, fan as a kid. I still am. I as a kid, I as a kid said I would like. Um, actually, my mom sent me a picture of this recently from like my middle not middle school, my elementary school yearbook, which is like a really more of a magazine like that's. Mm-hmm. And I had said, and everyone asked well, what your future would be, and I said my future would I would be an outside back for the U.S. men's soccer team. Nice, <laughs> nice. So I I love soccer. Soccer is one of my favorite sports. I didn't become. I played it growing up, but we didn't have soccer, youth soccer in my area until middle school. So we didn't have, you know, youth rec soccer leagues or travel soccer. Um, so really, and I ended up playing college soccer, Division Three, which is kind of funny considering it was probably my least uh, capable sport. I played a ton. I was a big tennis player, baseball, basketball. I played hockey. Soccer was just the first sport for college, mm-hmm. right? It was the fall sport. Yeah. So I was like, I'm in. And I just, I've become an even bigger soccer fan since. So I guess, I mean, hockey's right up there. It's a 1A, B, C, and D. I love a lot of sports. I even enjoy watching cricket matches. That's for another podcast. Um, finally, the other question was, who's your child, favorite childhood NHL player? I'm going to put in a caveat here. Because and I'm not saying this because he's the Stars head coach, but my favorite player growing up, <laughs> at, it was I kid you oh. not, and it's such a coincidence for oh. when I was a kid, Jim Montgomery was the best player at the University of Maine. We because I didn't have cable, we didn't watch NHL games when I was really young, so I loved the University of Maine and. Montgomery was the he was the the captain and Paul Career was great, but Montgomery was it. Right, he was the leader. It's really weird. When I finally started watching NHL games, we actually got a satellite dish uh, when DirecTV came out, and I started watching Bruins games and playing uh, NHL in the 90s on my Sega Genesis. I was always a Boston Bruins guy because I grew up in Maine and New England. And, look, they had Cam Neely and Ray Bork and loved it, but it was, I was an Adam Oates guy. Okay. I love, And my first and only NHL jersey that I ever bought, my parents bought for me, at my first ever NHL game, which was at Le Colisee in Quebec City, Boston Bruins, Quebec Nordiques, we were on a ski trip, we were up in, in uh, Mount St. Anne, which is north of Quebec City, and we went down and went to a game, and at the game they got me a Boston Bruins jersey in Quebec, and they, uh, you know, iron-on pressed number 12 oats, and, and the A, because he was an alternate okay. captain. So I've always been a huge Adam Oates fan growing up. So there's my weird long-form answer. You ready for your next question? Certainly. Okay, because that was a lot. That was, Ardell always fires off like seven mm-hmm. questions. Bryce writes in, favorite midnight snacks? I, I defer to you first, because I did a lot of talking there. Favorite midnight snacks? 
See, uh, right now I've got the uh, I've got the Thin Mints, the Girl Scout cookies. I've got the I've got the Thin Mints in the. Freezer. Sorry, I'm laughing at the next question. Keep going. I've got the Thin Mints in the freezer. So you're saying Girl Scout cookies frozen? Yes, that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the snack. So like I'm gonna go um, after we complete this recording, I will go into my house. I will make the I will make the bottles for my daughter for tomorrow. Do you typically eat something before bed after getting home from a Stars game? I used I didn't I didn't until I started spending time in the kitchen where I make. Oh, so now you're you're the lure of the. Yes, and it's yes, the, it's kind of the the it, dangle or the the temptation it, it, is it, is winning. It's, it's not even a full. It's it's not even. It's like two cookies. Okay. It's 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 like, like something. It's like I open the fridge. I put the two. I put the bottles in the fridge. Put the bottles of formula in the fridge, then open the freezer, grab two cookies, eat the cookies, go brush my teeth, go to bed. In my younger days, I would get done with a, a game broadcast, get home and go, I'm starving. Like, I can't eat a full meal. Feed after. me. I've, st- I've changed. Well, so in my first few years of broadcasting in the minors, especially on road trips, you know, the players have a, a post-game food order from a local restaurant, usually a place that pizzas, uh, pasta mm-hmm. dishes, subs, that kind of thing. I would get a full meal after a broadcast and, you know, crush a chicken parm spaghetti pasta dinner or a cheesesteak or a big, you know, p- uh, you know, share a pizza. Or, and, you know, the pounds start adding up when you're not playing a hockey game like yeah. the rest of them and eating like a hockey player. And so I had to cut back. And so uh, after a couple of years of overindulging after games, I started getting the postgame salad, mm-hmm. like a chicken salad, you know, salad, grilled chicken on it. Um, so some substance, but a little lighter fare. Yeah. I, I, on home games now, I don't eat anything. I yeah. get home, I go to bed. Yeah. A little hungry maybe, but it's just... It, it, yeah, there's not really the... I don't, I don't like to go to bed I don't. Stuff. I don't like the full meal. It's just the... The two cookies. Last but I'll night, answer the real question, I, I think the, but I think My the, favorite midnight snack or favorite late night, if I'm watching TV, ice cream. I knew that would be your Ice answer. cream, man. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, a we, sucker we, We've for talked it. about ice cream. Um, and you usually get it more when you're at my house. Yes. Because your wife tries to discourage you from having we ice cream. You eat healthier house. at my house. That's not true at all. I eat very healthy. <laughs> I, just, I just also add ice cream to it. <laughs> My the, diet uh, is fine. It's just the dessert that the last, I, I so the last it. time I think the I think the last time I ate a full meal after a game because I rarely eat, eat rarely eat late night after a game. Right now, I will occasionally have the liquid diet after a late night game. That's different. But that's different. But last, having a beer. La, last or something, time, last time different. I had a meal after a game, it was in L.A. End of last season. So not this year. Last year. Yeah. So it was the last game of the regular season. Uh, last game of the season. Right. It was the first trip to LA. Oh, not the Jamie Ben Hattrick. Not the Jamie Ben Hattrick. It was the because uh, they were in LA a week before, too, a month before too. Yes. Okay. And uh, we went to one of Scott Burnside's haunts. Oh, <laughs> here we go. And we got sushi at like midnight. Midnight and sushi sounds like gas station sushi. It was. Um, That's dangerous. It was very dangerous. It's the only time I've ever been sick on a plane. Yo, what I, were you doing? I, midnight sushi. At one of Burnside's dive bars? It wasn't... That's a terrible... It wasn't the best few, decision. Were you a few drinks in before you decided to order sushi? No. Oh, <laughs> man. The, I don't know how I can... I can't endorse this. No, I'm not I'm not saying it was I know. It and it was, like it was the, and the next day, the, I had the 7 a.m. flight out of LAX back to Dallas. It's the only time I've ever been sick on a plane. Oh. Um, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I have also been sick only once on a plane. And... 
And, it's a gross story. And I thought it was, I wasn't really sure what it was until the next day we got to practice and we see, I see Birdside in Frisco and he's like, oh, man, I got really sick on the team playing, getting back. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Imagine that. Andrew writes in, thoughts on Monty's comments about the fans not getting loud. On the other hand, it's a big division game. On one hand, it's that. other hand, may have gotten burnt out with disappointing teams this time of year. Mixed emotions, I'm sure. He's talking about the fans and their reactions. I, I think the the this is just kind of having watched it. I think it was a comment where it was kind of – it was more of like tongue in cheek of like, I thought we were going to get louder and I thought the building was going to like keep carrying the energy. Cause I thought it was loud after the immediate aftermath of the hits, but I think it was kind of more of a comment on carrying the energy throughout. Um, it was a quote that I actually didn't use in my story just cause I didn't really where he was going with it. I'm not sure the, Sure. Where he actually was going with it. Yeah, I I have a thought. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I kind of got the impression he was saying not – because they got louder with the hits. Mm -hmm. You could tell – I think he was hoping for a little bit more sustained uh, noise after the fact. Yeah. Where it kind of died down a little bit because there wasn't a lot of scoring chances after that. It was just a few big hits, and they got loud. And then, But I'll tell you what, when Radulov cleared – the chance for the empty netter in the third, the place went nuts. Yeah. It was very yeah. loud. He'll see the playoffs are different too. He said maybe they're they're saving up for the playoffs. Playoff hockey at the AAC is a different volume. Yeah. Scott writes in, why can't Waterburger get with the times and sell breakfast items all day? I've always wanted a chorizo egg and cheese taquito after a stars game, but there's too much time between the end of the game and eleven PM parentheses taquito time. Should games start later? The answer to that is no because it's already we're recording it's after All midnight. All games should be played at 1 p.m. I'm in favor of that, but he, <laughs> Scott is right. If you're going to offer breakfast items, you should get with the times and offer at least a somewhat uh, comprehensive breakfast menu. If you're selling breakfast, you should have breakfast 24/7. Sean and I are huge breakfast for dinner fans. Breakfast all the time. Breakfast. For I dinner. actually eat breakfast like big breakfasts more for lunch and dinner than I do actually at breakfast time. Yes, same thing. I'm not opposed to a big breakfast. I just don't do it very much. Sean doesn't know the the um, one of our P1 fans, true to form tier one P1 writes in, and you don't know this because you didn't hear our postgame show. No question at all that Farmer Fran and Pat and Sanger are related, no. I will email you this, but we're, our last caller of the night really meandered to try to get to a point and never got close to getting there. Pat, you you maybe won the e-break. We'll find out tomorrow. It was a fabulous call. Call again because it was entertaining. But it was a little bit like Farmer Fran. We live to fight another day. You live to fight another day. Farmer Fran from uh, uh, Adam Sandler's movie, The Waterboy. Here's the gif of it. Notice how I pronounced it. Yeah. Um, and... Michael then wrote in Bishop and Vezina conversation. Yeah, I already that. answered that. But so yeah, wait till you hear the Pat and Sanger call. I'll email it to you. I'll listen to it. It is. I want to hear your reaction. It'll have to be the next car cast. It is. It's going to become a verb and maybe an adjective. You've been Sangered or Pat and Sangered or you've gone all Pat and Sanger. Hmm. It's it's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. But it sure is entertaining. <laughs> John, any final thoughts before we have to... I have to go home and get up early, unfortunately. Yeah. So no sleep for the weary. No, I I have two thoughts on this. Um, 
we talk a lot about we went back and we, we were talking about having a legit top six in a second line and stuff like that. And I just wanted to comment on I really like what Rupe Hintz has done. Rope, can we please call him Rope? Yeah, Rope, I know. All the players call him Rupe, Rupe, and the coaches it get it wrong. Rope. Rope. And actually, if you want to speak in Finnish, there's a little R role in it, so it would be Rope. Yeah. That I'm not going to do every broadcast. But I really like what Hintz has done, and I really think there's kind of – I think there's a really nice foundation there for He's either a top he's a top line guy, and whether that means we keep the current construction where Jamie Ben's on the second line, or maybe you put Ben back on the first line and you move Radulov down and Hints goes up, and then like I just think with what Hints has done, and I, I think, think we are talking about t- the balanced top yes, six. And I think with what Hints has done, and I think with just the carrot of Zuccarello coming back, I think when this team gets to the spot of crunch time. There's a really a lot to like about what could be there when you head into those most important games. See, we were talking when Zuccarello got hurt. We everything went cr- crashing down in an instant, and all the enthusiasm and good vibes of suddenly this team having more dynamic offensive attack just went flying out the door. And then you went, wait a minute. Okay, let's find out what happened. Okay, we're thinking four weeks. Can they keep it afloat? Well, all along, even before the trade deadline, we were saying and so far they have. They have. Yeah. And in some instances in the last few games, Sean, as they've won four in a row now, not just keeping it afloat, but actually playing quite well. The St. Louis game and this game tonight were great. The Rangers game, not great, but they did what they had to do, and Bishop was great. And the L.A. game, again, they did what they had to do and got a result, but not great uh, as far as the overall performance. Mm -hmm. Um, But I said even before they made the moves they did, that the Stars, I think, were capable of making the playoffs as they were because their goaltending and their defensive structure is yeah. that good. If they can get... Hintz has only recently really come into his own as a viable top six option yeah. on a regular basis. He's turned a corner there. Hopefully he puts more pucks in because that's the next step for him to really be a top six guy all the time. Zuccarello... Maybe Les Perrance, who won a ton of battles and was in good position again tonight, just hasn't gotten a point yet. That's the next step for him, is to not just get... I mean, he had chances yeah. tonight. Uh, he, he didn't have a quality chance to score, but he, he had a nice play behind the net where he won a battle and threw it out in front. Dangerous play. He was great defensively, physical. I like what I see. I think it's... it's uh, hints, and then getting the undrafted Les Perrance can maybe gloss over some issues with not being able to draft and develop as many top six. It's another, another conversation. I do have a quick just thought for you to just end on, just because I was thinking about this earlier. I, and I have a side note to finish on, too. But go ahead. Just, I think we both know, we, we, we all assume that Bishop's going to be in goal on Saturday. He keeps playing. You could argue both. You could argue both. I'm I just, think it's Bishop, too. But, how do you play out the next week in goal? I'm just, here, I was just, here, th- this is a great thought because yeah. at first thought was, okay, well, he got the shutout against the Rangers, yeah, so yeah, he'll yeah. play tonight against Colorado, and then Hudobin was great in Chicago, mm-hmm. beat the Blackhawks. He'll go again against yeah. the, the Hawks. How can you t- pull the guy out that's not given up a goal in 144-plus minutes? I don't think he can. And Bishop's puck handling ability sets him apart. Hudobin's great, and he brings his own things to the table, but I think – 
it's a no-brainer. Now, here's the thing. You have two days off before you play in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. If he plays well against the Blackhawks, it doesn't have to be a shutout. Yeah. plays well, how do you not start him against Buffalo? Mm-hmm. So then you have another day, and then you travel to Minnesota. And, and, and How do you not play him against the team that's in the second it's, wild card? But it's also here's a fa- and just blanked Tampa in Florida tonight. But here's a fascinating thing because you're going to need them both in that back to back. Right? Do you want Hudobin to have gone almost two weeks without playing a game? But here's the other thing. Maybe. And you, and you obviously have to. He play played what the last game in LA? Yeah, you have to. You have, you have to. You have to. Which play. was last Thursday. Yes. You have to play the. You have to play. You you have to play the play the to win the game in front of you, but just. When you're thinking about it, Hudobin has done a really good job going into environments like Nashville and playing well on the road. Mm-hmm. And think about how good Bishop has been against Vegas. I know. That's just, I mean, it's, he it's, was good. He was really good in Vegas. Here's the thing. It's just food for thought. It's uh, we don't have an answer. Right. This, but I don't think it's a bad move. And remember, St. Louis did that with their back to back. They played Jake Allen in Carolina, came home to play a waiting Dallas Stars team with Bennington because he was so great at home. Stars won that game. Mm-hmm. They were the better team, and St. Louis was clearly fatigued. But Stars just went after them, and they were physical and wore them down, and that's part of why they won. I think that in this circumstance, as much as I agree oh, with yeah, that, it's, it's just, I think that if it lines up, I think you go Bishop in Minnesota for two reasons. Minnesota is a playoff team. That you're you're competing with. And that'll be a playoff and atmosphere. That'll be a big. It will atmosphere. be. Oh, and Minnesota will be fired up if for that. But Hudobin also brings a lift to the team with his compete level and battle and energy. And so on a night where they're tired, that might work. On the flip side, on a night that the team's tired, having Ben Bishop help get the puck out of your own zone faster could also be a real plus. Mm-hmm. So you could argue either way. Final thought, because it's non-hockey related. We mentioned baseball earlier, and I was just going through Twitter real quick uh, as Sean was making a point. I was still listening to him. But I happened to notice earlier today about Tom Seaver. Mm-hmm. You're a huge Mets fan. Did you see that today? Uh, uh, Diagnosis oh, of yeah. dementia. Yeah, I did see that. And so I thought as a Mets fan who is a long-suffering New York Mets fan, I would let you close the podcast with the last – or the car cast – Got to stay on brand <laughs> with uh, a word about one of the great pitchers of all time. Well, I know it's uh, something that's very sad for my dad. My dad is a huge Tom Seaver fan. My dad was actually at in Cooperstown for Tom Seaver's uh, Hall of Fame. That's action. awesome. Um, so I know it's uh, sad news for my dad. And uh, actually at my cousin's wedding back in October or November, actually had a bottle of Tom Seaver's wine. Ooh, was it nice? It was pretty good. It was right. pretty good. I was, uh, it was, I think it was called Tom Seaver 41 or, or something like that. I remember the name. It was pretty good wine. So, um, but very sad. And, uh, that's the, I mean, I don't really know what you can say in a moment like that, but it's, yeah. it's tough. Um, well, we'll uh, on that happy yeah, note. On that happy note, we'll, let's turn it around and say the Stars have won four in a row, yes. and they face a Blackhawks team who found a way to get points again tonight. But they are ten points behind the Dallas Stars. They are nine points behind the playoffs. Or is it? Is it one point? Stars are at seventy-five. I think Minnesota with the win tonight's at seventy-four. Yeah, because Minnesota was in first in the wild card until the end of the Dallas game. Because they had leapfrogged they, the yeah, Stars, yeah. they finished first. Yeah, yeah. The point is, I think the Stars still have a game in hand on the Wild. They do. They do. They do. They do. They do. Nonetheless, Chicago, Sean, after that unbelievable run to get back to relevance from being one of the worst teams in the league, 
for a while. Five and five in their last ten. Yeah. They will be very desperate against the Stars on Saturday. It could be a fun back-and-forth game with the way Chicago opens things up, too. Sure could be. I mean, that's Colorado's like that, too. It's fun. All right. CarCast 61, thanks so much for listening. We plan on doing another one after the Blackhawks game on Saturday.